Welcome to the Becoming You podcast. I'm your host, Megan, a mindset coach passionate about helping you feel empowered to be your most authentic and confident self. In these episodes, you can expect to find raw and honest solo conversations, practical tips, inspiring interviews and insights that will cover topics like self-awareness, self-development, anxiety, health, and so much more. If you're ready to take back ownership of your life and feel confident to step into who you truly are, then this podcast is for you. So let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Becoming You podcast. I am so fucking lit up about this week's episode because I want to talk about the anxious attachment style. Now, I was already going to do this episode and then earlier on in the week, I posted a TikTok and it's fucking blown up and so many people can relate to this thing that I'm like, this means even more to me now like I need to talk about this because I think it's so relatable it's going to resonate and hopefully it's going to make you feel better in some way that you're you're not broken you're not you know unfixable infixable either way because we can actually heal our anxious attachment style it just takes a lot of work Now, the TikTok that I posted was actually me speaking about something I heard on another podcast. And it was this phrase, as a person with an anxious attachment style, we only feel as safe as the last interaction that we had. So if we spend time with our partner and it's amazing and it's beautiful and we have a a great time, we will walk away feeling secure. But if we have conflict, if there's a disagreement, if the energy feels off, we will walk away and we might question the whole relationship, question our worth, question whether this is going to this is going to break us up, like it goes really deep. And everybody was resonating with this. So I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm just going to riff to be honest. I've got some notes, but I'm really feeling this subject right now, so I'm just going to go with it. So I want to kind of begin with like talking a little bit about the origins of attachment theory and covering the different attachment styles as well, just so you can have some reference. But attachment styles are basically how we relate to other people, right? Now, one of the attachment styles is secure. Now that's about 50% of the population. They they feel like they can trust people and they can be trusted, they can easily receive and give love, they set healthy boundaries and they can depend on other people without becoming codependent, right? Then there is the avoidant, now that's about 25% of the population. These people tend to fear intimacy and closeness, they might find it hard to trust, Um, they're fiercely independent and largely emotionally unavailable. Then there is disorganized, which is a combination of anxious and avoidant. And these people crave attention and they want to avoid it. They might be reluctant to develop close relationships, but they really desire connection. And then the last attachment, which is what I'm talking about today, is anxious. And this is about 19% of the population. Now, these people fear abandonment. Now they think that the partner is going to leave them, they need validation and reassurance, and they can be clingy and codependent. This is my attachment style. It's something that I have been working through for as long as I can remember, even before I knew that was a thing. And this is what a lot of people said to me um, on my video was that I didn't even know that this was a thing for me, but yes, it resonates. And this was what came up for me as well. 
But I also thought I'd healed it. I also thought that I'm a secure person now. I've grown a lot. I've got confidence. You know, I feel generally like good about myself. I've really worked on my self-worth. But then I entered into a new relationship and holy shit, it hit me like a ton of bricks. All of this unhealed shit came up and to work through it with somebody who is there to hold space for me, which has been incredible. So our attachment styles are usually formed in our childhood before like the age of two. Now, I just want to say and preface this whole thing with, you know, there are different reasons we might feel anxious in our relationships. It's not all to do with this. It's not all uh, maybe even an anxious attachment style. You might hear some of these things and think, yeah, they really resonate, but it might not necessarily have come from this. I'm just generalizing, right? I'm just looking at this one particular aspect. So always, you know, take what you uh, resonate with and leave what you don't. So basically attachment styles are formed and it's usually, it's usually to do with our caregivers and how they respond to us and how they meet our needs as children. Now this establishes the types of patterns that go on to guide a child's feelings, right? Their thoughts and expectations as an adult in their future relationships. So the quality of the first bond with the caregiver is super important, whether it's loving and stable or inconsistent or absent, that actually shapes the developing brain, which influences how we deal with loss and how we behave in relationships moving forward. So for people with an anxious attachment style, it's likely that their caregivers were inconsistent or unpredictable with like affection or meeting your needs. So they might've been overly involved and then withdrawn or affectionate and then withdrawn. And so it's the fluctuation of being emotionally available and then distant that leads children to become anxious in their future relationships because they can't predict how safe it's going to be for them when they are interacting with people. Now, another thing that might sort of contribute to this is, you know, caregivers leaving children to cry. I think especially for our generation, our parents' generation, it was very normal that, you know, children were left to sort of self-soothe and and, and just sort of work it out for themselves. And my parents as well were like, we just get on with it, you know, like you'll work it out. Actually, research suggests now that it's not actually the best thing for the emotional development of children for them to just be left. They actually do need to be shown how to self-regulate and they do that through co-regulation from parents. Um, Another thing that could happen is caregivers seeking emotional closeness with children to satisfy their own needs. Like they might be overly intrusive or overprotective, right? Like helicopter parenting. And this leaves the children feeling unsafe to make their own decisions. Like they have to rely on somebody else to give them the answer. And I just wanna say on this, that this is all playing out unconsciously, right? Parents don't know that they're doing this. It is usually just a continued behavioral pattern that's that's gone through generations. They are just replaying their own attachment style out with their children. There is no blame to be had here. This is just simply, you know, pointing out what might have happened in order to um, create this particular attachment style. Now, there was an experiment done in the 1960s called the Strange, the Strange Situation, where the psychologists were actually looking at um, the attachment behaviors in children. And so they put mothers and infants in a room 
the mother would sit in the corner of the room and the child would be playing with toys and then they would let strangers just like pop in and out of the room and observe what happened with the child and then they would also have the mother leave the room without the child at one point and really observe what the child did how they responded and then how they responded when the mother returned and what they found with anxious children was that they were already a bit distressed before the mother left and then significantly distressed when she was gone and then they were really hard to comfort when she came back in when she returned I just wanted to add that in because I actually think that experiment is super fascinating and this is actually where these kind of terms came from. However, I want to actually look at the ways in which this plays out in our relationships and also answer some of the questions that came up for me um, around this topic when I was talking about it. So if you know that you have an anxious attachment style or you think you might, listen along um, and maybe some of these things will resonate with you. So typically people with an anxious attachment style fear being alone. So you might find yourself seeking relationships a lot. For me, I mean, I've been single probably a year out of the past 15 years. So I definitely relate to this. And you might find yourself in relationships regardless of whether the person's right for you or not, right? You might get into this and really want to... Um, build a connection that you actually ignore red flags and then when you are in a relationship you might feel really clingy super needy and you're probably aware of this like I used to be aware of this and feel really shit about myself because I felt like this I was like I don't want to feel needy I don't want to be clingy why am I like this you also feel easily rejected right? Abandoned. And you might get angry when your expectations aren't met. Now, people with an anxious attachment style tend to have really high expectations of both themselves, but of other people too. And the interesting thing is, because we seek love and reassurance and approval and validation, we often don't really speak what's on our mind. We often don't um, actually ask for what we need or want. And then we become resentful and angry because the other person isn't meeting our needs or they're not meeting our expectations when we haven't even put them out there. (laughs) And I was so guilty of this. I was very angry for a very long time, expecting that somebody was going to read my mind. They should know what I want. When actually I wasn't even communicating that. There is also a strong fear of abandonment it's all it's at the root of all of the fear that you have if you have an anxious attachment style and safety is a priority so it's almost like the attention the care the responsiveness of our partner feels like the remedy to this anxiety that we feel right and one of the things that comes up it's usually during like conflict or you know maybe the energy's off with your partner is that Say you have an argument and they want a breather. They don't want to talk about this anymore. They want to just have some time, think it through and come back to it at a later date. (laughs) And I'm laughing because that just, it makes me just want to die. I hate being left in this just feeling, this emotion of like, oh my God, I've now got all of this time to think about how they're going to abandon me, how they don't want to be with me anymore, how I'm too much. And we feel incapable of calming down until the other person has met our need for assurance, right? Until that person has come back and been like, I do love you. 
I do want to be with you, but this is a difficult conversation right now and I don't want to have it. So if we don't get that reassurance, we are craving it, we need it. And we start to spiral until they actually come back and tell us that it's all good, I'm not leaving you. So for me now in the relationship that I'm in, I've made it very clear that if we have an argument and we disagree, I don't wanna leave it overnight. Like I just, I can't do that, it doesn't work for me. And also having that level of respect that says, I know we're arguing right now, but I still love you. And I've had to set that boundary and say that because that's what I need to feel assured in the moment. Because the thing is, you're always gonna argue. You're always gonna have disagreements. Like it's fucking normal. And the other person isn't feeling the way that you are. That's what you have to remember. The other person isn't like, well, this relationship's over. They're not thinking that. You're thinking that. And so it's not as big of a deal for them as it is for you. And that's actually not their fault and it's not their problem. But you communicating to them that this is actually what I need is your responsibility. And if they care about you and want this relationship to work, then they will compromise on that. One of the other things that can happen is we become really codependent with our our partner in that because when they leave us, we get anxious We want to avoid that time apart so we don't feel the anxiety. And this leads to codependency. We wanna be with them all the time. We feel like we can't function without them and it's really unhealthy. And I'm sure you know that. And I didn't even know that this is something that I did. But when I actually thought about my relationships, I was like, holy shit. Every like long-term relationship that I've had, I've basically moved in with them immediately. Like immediately. Within the first month, we are living together. And I'm like, that's so crazy that I did that thinking it was for something else, like another reason, but really it was because I didn't want to have that distance from them because I didn't want to have to feel the anxiety of when they leave. Because it's almost like, ooh, these feelings won't be sustained when we're distant, when we're apart. So for a secure person, you know, you will have an interaction if you're dating, you might go on a beautiful date or you might spend the day with them or even like the weekend with them and they will leave and they will be like, awesome, I know that I'm gonna see you again at some point, like that's cool, I feel I feel safe and secure and I love you. Whereas for an anxious person, it's like when they leave, oh my God, when am I gonna see them again? Maybe they don't love me, they haven't told me when we're gonna, when we're gonna meet up. I need that reassurance to know that this is going to be sustainable when we're apart. And it's in these moments that you have to coach yourself and be like, that's not reality. That's what I'm thinking. But they've given me no reason to actually believe that to be true. And that can be really hard. Which leads me into something called protest behaviors. When I was like learning about this, I was just fucking shaking my head. Like, oh my God, the things that I have done, the irrational fucking things that I've done in the past to get someone's attention is fucking crazy, right? I don't like using that word, but I'm using it about myself. So, but this is what happens when we, maybe we're in a situation where they're not texting you back. They might've gone out on a night out with their friends. You might've had an argument and you just, you know, they they want space, they're not talking to you. Some situation where you are not in contact with the person and you look for ways to regain contact. This could be 
asking them questions about shit that doesn't need to be spoken about, right? Like pointless things just so they have to interact with you. It might be calling them a hundred times, texting them a million times. Like maybe when they're at work, they're not responding. So you text and text and text. It could be stalking them on social media, posting things on your social media, like with cryptic messages. (laughs) I used to do this. Um, I used to also call and text and leave voicemails and just be really irrational behavior. Um, And you know, one of the worst things is being like, it's over, we should break up then. If it's gonna be like this, let's break up. The amount of times in my past relationships that I used that as a way to get their attention, it's almost like in your head you think, well, if I say, let's break up, if they really wanted to be with me, they're gonna respond saying, no, that's not what I want, which gives me the reassurance that I need to feel safe again in this this relationship. And that's why it's so hard because often the things that we are doing, the things that we do to seek that connection, we need that reassurance, are things that usually push them further away. And we don't think about it in that way when we're doing it, we're just like, I need this connection back, I need this love, I need to know that I'm good enough, I need to know that I'm validated and that they're not going to abandon me. But sometimes the behaviors that we exhibit lead them to abandon us because it's not rational, right? And we feel unlovable. We might feel like we're we're replaceable and we're not enough. And it does feel like crazy. And I'll admit now that like I've done so much work on myself and I'm at such a good place um, mentally and I've built my self-worth and all these things. And it actually feels really vulnerable to still have this part of myself play out for me, right? These stories still play out for me in a relationship when I thought I'd healed quite a lot of this stuff. And it's really about being aware of it, knowing about it and, you know, sort of voicing that and communicating that with the person that you're with. So I know that the question is going to be, well, what the fuck do we do about it? How do we actually break this cycle? How can we move through this? How can we heal this? And honestly, I believe that you can heal it to a certain extent, but I also think that these things are ingrained, right? Like if you've been programmed like this for however long, it takes a lot and a long time to reprogram. It's fucking hard work. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's, it's easy because it's not. I've done a lot of work and I'm only now being like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. So for example, I had an interaction earlier today actually with my beautiful partner and yesterday I'd asked him if we could see each other tonight and he said yes and then I had asked him again today and he responded saying that he had something he actually needed to do and he was like, I'm I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed with it so can I see you tomorrow instead? Now in the past that would have felt like a rejection to me. Why are you picking that over me? You don't care about me. You said you were gonna do it and you haven't. You know, there's really high expectations. And me needing that reassurance and feeling abandoned when someone says no. But I actually didn't feel that. I didn't feel that because I actually know what he's what he needs to do and it's beneficial that he does do it. So I was like, that's cool. I'll see you tomorrow instead. And I also told him that because I've got this level of awareness and he knows that I'm working through this, I said to him, this would have actually triggered me in the past. And one of the reasons it's not is because of how your communication with me is so beautiful and like how you hold space for me. 
So even acknowledging him in this and being like, thank you for the way that you actually communicate with me because it's so um, helpful. It makes me feel safe and loved and appreciated. And, you know, now one thing to note is that he has a secure attachment style. And I wanted to touch on this because I think it's important. As people with anxious uh, attachment styles, we subconsciously seek out avoidance, which is so funny because avoidance, fear, intimacy, they they find it hard to trust, right? They're, they're largely emotionally unavailable and we attract them. And this has been so fucking true for me in my life. Now I look back, it was like I was trying to be the savior. I was always trying to get their attention and they just weren't interested. And it wasn't really that they weren't interested. It was just that they were avoidant and the two don't really mix together. Now, the reason that we seek it is because that unpredictability is familiar. If you were raised and your caregivers were unpredictable in their response, maybe they were withdrawn, and but then they were sometimes emotionally available, you actually yearn for that love, right? You want that connection. And so in the times where it's not there, you are trying to get it again. You are doing everything in your power for them to love you again, for them to be emotionally available for you again. And so even though it's familiar and it's comfortable, it's not what we want. It doesn't serve us. It's not healthy and it's not helpful. So one of the biggest things I honestly suggest when you're dating and going into this whole new thing is finding someone that has a secure attachment because it's not to say that it can never work, right? Like I couldn't say that. It's never going to work between an anxious and an avoidant, but it's going to be fucking hard. (laughs) It's going to be an uphill battle. And that person also has to be willing to work on their own shit for that to kind of work. So a person with a secure attachment, basically they don't play games, right? They are quite upfront and forward in what they want, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. They can set healthy boundaries. You'll probably find that this person is able to say no and will be very clear on what they will and won't accept. They will also be comfortable showing their emotion, right? They will tell you how they feel and and, and not be scared of commitment, right? Because they are emotionally available. And they usually aren't selfish. They will understand that there's two people in a relationship and you have to work together and they will respect and value your opinion especially on subjects like this, where you are opening up and saying, look, this is something that I'm, you know, working on. They will respect that. Honestly, communication is fucking huge. Like I walked into this relationship I'm in now and said, look, this is, I'm aware that this is a thing for me and I'm really working on healing it. So I would, you know, I want to tell you that and I would love if you'd hold space and and bear with me and be patient. That is fucking sexy. I don't care what anybody says. If you walk into something and you're like, I'm owning my shit, I know this is a problem, I'm aware of it and I'm working on it, that's hot. Like, it's hot. And if he did the same to me and told me something that he was working on, I'd be like, yeah, fuck yes. The fact you have a level of awareness and you want to better yourself is fucking sexy. And someone who pretends that they ain't got anything going on, right? And pretends that they're perfect, they're just inauthentic. Just because the person that you're with in this relationship is secure doesn't mean that they don't have their own shit, right? Nobody's perfect. So you're not a burden. That's another thing. You're not a burden because this is your attachment style. You can always work on something and other people are going to have things. It's just not going to be this thing. 
So you're no less than the other person that you're with because this is how you act. Um, you also have to realize that no one else outside of you can really fix you. I don't, and I don't mean to say fix you like you're broken, but like if you want to work on this, you've got to do the hard work. No one else can do that. It's your responsibility. And so it's in the moments when you're triggered, when you're facing conflict or you, you're having these feelings, whatever triggers for you this sort of fear of abandonment, that you have to give yourself what you seek from others, whether it's reassurance, love, feelings of safety, validation, whatever you're seeking from outside yourself, you have to be able to give that to yourself in those moments. This is all about self-coaching. This is what I talk about with my um, coaching clients is that you need to be able to coach yourself through this shit. And it's such a powerful gift and a tool to, to be able to have because you can really move through things quickly and, and you can grow exponentially in this way. So when you are triggered, it's like feel the sensations, feel what's coming up for you. And like say to yourself when you have conflict, like I know, I know that this feels like he's going to abandon you. I know it feels like he's going to leave you and, and the relationship's over. But this is just a story right? This is not reality. Now, especially when the person hasn't given you any reason to even feel anxious. I know when we have conflict and, you know, we argue that that is testing. It's testing for anybody, right? It doesn't feel good. Um, we're all human. So in those moments, it makes sense. But in moments where like they, they haven't done anything, nothing's changed. You maybe just haven't seen them. You really got to be reminding yourself that nothing's changed. Nothing's happened nothing's changed. And also assuming that they have positive intent, right? We often, when we're anxious, think that people are out to get us, or we always look on the negative side and we always assume the worst because of this fear. But it's always good to assume positive intent. That person needs their own space. They need to do what they're doing for themselves. They are not trying to hurt you, right? Not always the case, but for the most part, they're not trying to hurt you. One of the things that I used to do a lot <laughs> was share every single intimate detail and every single thing I was feeling with the person that I was with as a way of, I suppose, letting them know all the shit that's going on as a way to connect with them and as a way for them to give me the reassurance that I needed. But what I am learning is that it's not their problem and it gets really messy when you start doing that. And because it's my responsibility to heal, I don't need to tell them every single thing that's going on. I don't need to tell my partner every time that I'm triggered. I have to work through it myself. So what you can do, you know, if this is coming up for you and you have a conflict or you, you feel something, is after the event, right? After the thing that's happened, if you feel like it's something that they need to know because you want them to understand you better, you want to connect with them, not because you need to like have the reassurance. You can say, look, when this thing happened, I actually felt like this. Now I've worked through it, but I wanted to tell you, I would appreciate if you if you did this or you said this or you didn't do this in future. And I had this recently. Um, we had an argument and he did the thing where he went off and he didn't speak to me all night. Like he went off, whatever. And then he spoke to me in the morning. Now, because that was really triggering for me, I actually said in our, in our conversation, I would really appreciate it. I really appreciate it if when we argue, you send me a message to say goodnight and love you regardless. Because that that is important to me that I need that. 
And I'm not asking a lot because I need that thing because I've communicated that. So I'm actually not asking him to resolve the conflict that night because that might not always work. But I am asking him to communicate with me. And that's completely fine because this is about two people in a relationship working on things together. It's about compromise. Um, the biggest thing when it comes to sort of healing this attachment, I want to say wound, is it usually comes from this place of like low self-esteem and low worth and feeling like the other person is better than us and we're not worthy and we're not good enough. So actually working on self-esteem and building a better relationship with yourself is going to help you feel more safe because at the end of the day, relationships do end. People do walk away, right? There is there is a chance you are going to get hurt and that is just the reality of life. But you can't live constantly feeling like that. You have to know that it's safe even if it ends. You will be okay even if you're alone and that can feel really hard. Lastly, I want to talk about self-regulation and boundaries. When we have an anxious attachment style, we're often people-pleasing. We're often trying to seek validation, seek approval, and therefore our boundaries aren't great. We struggle to set them with other people because we feel uncomfortable about it. We might feel guilty, but we also struggle to respect other people's boundaries. And, and that's definitely been a problem for me. Like someone sets a boundary and I take it personally. When boundaries are actually there and they're in place to keep relationships um, healthy and to protect relationships, if something means, if a relationship means something to you, boundaries should be in place. So one thing that can really help is being better at setting boundaries and respecting boundaries. Now this can start with boundaries with your fucking self. Like making little commitments to yourself and and following through in that. Learning to trust yourself more. Because if you can't trust yourself, you're going to push that outwards to somebody else. You're only going to feel like somebody else can make the decisions for you, can, can give you that comfort. And you have to be able to do that for yourself. Managing your emotions in this is also key. So when you are feeling triggered, like communicate that. You know, I actually need some time right now. This is a way of setting boundaries. If you are in a conversation and it gets like someone says something and you're like, mm, I can feel that in my body, that's not good. You are allowed to say, mm, I this is triggering me right now. So I'm just going to take some space and I'm going to come back to this conversation later. Or can we come back to this conversation later? Or I'm needing space right now. That other person will respect your boundary and then come back to it later. And in that time, that's where you journal. That's where you scream and shout and fucking do what you need to do to manage your emotions, to actually get yourself back to a place of calm because it's your job to work through that. You're not wrong for feeling the way that you do. I just wanna put that out there. You're not wrong, you're not broken for feeling how you feel, but it's also not the responsibility of your partner that you feel that way. It's not their fault. It's not actually theirs to hold. And sometimes we feel like it is and we put it onto them. And I'm very guilty of this, but it's not theirs. So you're not wrong for your feelings, but you are the one that's responsible for um, for moving through them. And when they are a secure person, they will absolutely allow you to have that space to deal with your shit and also allow that, that space to come back together in safety and have a conversation so you can work through it 
and give you that emotional closeness that you need. I said the last thing, but the last, last thing (laughs) is challenging your thought patterns. So you will probably, you know, fear sharing what's on your mind. You'll probably not want to speak up about what's going on for you. And you might feel like you're too much and, oh, I don't want to say this in case they leave me. And which leads to resentment and it leads to abandoning yourself. And that's one of the worst things that you can do is it abandoning your own needs and yourself because you want the approval of somebody else. So think back to a time where you were honest, where you did say something, where you did express your needs and really like ask yourself, did they leave? Did he leave? Probably not because you're still in the relationship. So it's like replacing that old belief of like, if I say what's on my mind, he's going to leave with, okay, I let them see me in the past and they're still here. And it's like reminding yourself of that, replacing the old stories with new ones and just communicating. Communication is honestly key. Pushing through the fear of difficult conversations, the fear of abandonment, to be honest with yourself and your partner will help you grow. And relationships are such a beautiful space to grow in. A few people commented on my video saying that this is why I avoid relationships. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't be with somebody because I'm broken. And, and that makes me sad because you can be in a relationship. Relationships are a beautiful space to heal. You can actually grow exponentially with someone who is secure and can hold space for you, right? Maybe the relationships in the past weren't with the right person. That doesn't mean that you don't deserve a loving relationship and that you can't work through this with somebody because you can. Okay, I feel like that was a big episode. I really hope something resonated in there for you and that some of the, the tips were helpful in order to move through this. It is hard work, but we can absolutely heal our attachment style. I was only going to do one on anxious attachment, but I'm actually interested if anybody wants to hear about um, the other attachment styles in more depth, send me a DM on Instagram, let me know. Also send me a DM on Instagram if this resonated with you, if this landed with you, if you're like, fuck yes. Or if you've also healed your attachment style, if you were anxious and now you're secure, let me know your success stories. I would love to chat and connect. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would share it on your Instagram and tag me at Megan Scobley underscore. Till next time, my loves.